Well, if you have your Bible, if you would, please turn. Don't turn with me yet. Let's say our Bible decree as we get started this morning. Amen. All right, this is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, please, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. A great passage for today. And kids, you are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. like to thank Roberta. She uh, is going back today and we have a ton of children. And, and Dolly is back there as well with Roberta. Good luck, ladies. Appreciate all you're doing. <laughs> Woo. I think in 2021, thank you, we need to get a uh, gymnasium. Amen. Let these kids run out some energy. We just need to, to pray that that is our third phase here at uh, New Hope, I want to get a, I want to extend the fellowship hall and put a life impact center out there so that we can have events and then the kids can run off some of that fun energy that they have. So, um, you know, at 50, I don't have that kind of energy. I don't know if you do, but God bless you if you do. And, uh, and if you don't, please see Jerry after service. He'll hook you up for the mobility class. He wears me out, so I try not to go as often as I can. Oh, just kidding. Uh, about killed me last year. So anyhow, uh, it didn't. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, as I as I look into the Word of God, I'm 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 searching within my own heart and in my life, and and asking myself the question: uh, Do I believe that there is a future? That there's a hope? That God is present here in my life? And do I sense His presence and feel His presence? Have I claimed the Word of God and put my faith and trust in it, knowing that He's got everything in control? And where I might be uh, lacking in my own faith and my own uh, spiritual uh, maturity, I'm reminded that God gives us uh, His Word. In this text this morning, I'm going to be... Hopefully, within our time restraint that we have, but thankful that we're here, able to explain a little bit more about Jeremiah 29.11, which with many of us uh, is a part of, um, maybe it's in your home. Maybe you have a sign that says just that scripture verse. But I want to highlight in Jeremiah chapter 29, and I want to start reading in verse 1. And in verse 1 it says this, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, or the remainder of the elders which were carried away in captivity and captive, and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, 
Jeconiah, the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elazah and the son of Shephan and Gamariah, the son of Hilkai, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent into Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, This says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build you houses, God bless you, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, which means, and have children, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished." And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets, your diviners that be in the midst of you, which means fortune tellers, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed of. For the prophecy falsely unto you in my name, for they falsify, I'm sorry, have not sent them, says the Lord. And the New Living Translation says, beware of false prophets, beware of uh, palm readers, fortune tellers, be careful what they say, be careful where you put your faith and trust in. Verse 10, thus says the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished to Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word and my toward you in causing you to return to this place. For know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. On verse 15, because you have said the Lord has raised us up prophets in Babylon. Know that thus says the Lord of the kings that sitteth upon the throne of David and all the people that dwelleth in the city and of your brethren that are not gone forth with you into captivity. And in verse 17, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. And I will persecute them with the sword, with the famine, and with the pestilence, and will deliver them to be removed out of the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse and an astonishment, and a hissing and a reproach among all of the nations, whether I have driven them. And it says again, for I know in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. I read a humorous and thought-provoking bumper sticker the other day. It read this, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. (laughs) Beginning now and lasting till at least April, we will be inundated with commercials, Facebook post enticing and encouraging us to make serious life changes. More serious this year probably than any other year. Changes in diet and in health. Changes in lifestyle and exercise. Changes in finances, uh, jobs, political affiliations. To get a vaccine, vaccine or not to get a vaccine. The list goes on. 
So people are making resolutions or promises to make positive life changes. So what's your resolution for 2021? What was it? What is it? And how are you going to move forward? Here's a list of the top 10 resolutions that are made each year. I figured you would appreciate it. Number 10, and then I'll go backwards. Get organized. Nine, help others. Learn something new. Get out of debt. Quit drinking. Enjoy life more. Quit smoking. Tame the bulge. Fit in fitness. I got to go to the gym. I got to go to the rec. I need to start walking. And then number one, most people will say, and probably more this year, I need to spend more time with my family. I need to spend more time with my friends. Then there were three positive resolutions that were on Facebook. Maybe the only positive thing that I've seen this week. But anyhow, one was more Bible wisdom, less human wisdom. Interesting. How about this, number two? Laugh and let laugh. And number three, love. Period. Enough said. I got up this morning and I wrote on my Facebook page, I love you. I just wanted to say that. It was better than some of the other things that I have been reading. Where people are, there's so much dissension and so much uh, just hate. It just really concerns me. And what concerns me more than anything, church, that we have replaced our joy with sadness and hate and being vindictive towards other people. We have to be careful. You know, love and laughter are the spices of life. So embrace them wherever you can get them. We need that love. We need that peace. So how have you done so far? Have you made promises to yourself this year? And as much as it is wise to plan and set goals for yourself, it is even more important that your plans are in aligned with the plans that God has for you. When I woke up, God, you guys know this, God speaks to me in the middle of the night and He always wakes me up and I woke up, quoting Jeremiah 29.11, in the middle of this week. My thought was, for I know the plans. For I know the plans. For I know the plans. And it just kept going over in my mind over and over and over. And it brought me to where we're at today, understanding that God has a greater plan for His children than we can even fathom or imagine in our life. That our God has not left the throne. No one can impeach Him. No one can remove Him, for He is the ultimate King of kings and Lord of lords. So listen, church, you don't remove Him. He is present, He is real, and He is available. He loves you. He says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. But it's important that many of us line up our plans that God has for us. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Why haven't you been seeking him out? Why haven't you sought Him out? In the greatest time in my earthly life, 
I need to seek Him out more today than I ever have up to this point. You know, if, if many of us would take Jeremiah 29.11 and write it out and place it on your refrigerator and memorize it and quote it, then you would soon, soon realize that, that God has something for you. But this morning what I want to do is I want to take a step back and consider the reason and purpose of this divine promise. We've heard it said that God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. It's easy to agree when we like the plan, right? And this is what I kept thinking to myself. But sometimes God, God's plans turns out to be different than what we were thinking. Some of you began 2020 with a positive attitude, confidently claiming the promises that God has for you. For your family and for your careers. But then the rug got pulled out from underneath your feet. You may have been happily married with two kids. You have no intentions on having any more. But one day you come home from work and your wife says, Guess what, honey? I just came back from the doctor and we're going to have two more babies. Isn't that a blessing? Praise the Lord. I wonder if Travis would like that, Megan. And then all of a sudden, Travis replies, Honey, I need to sit down. Sometimes God's plans are different than what we were thinking. Or maybe you have a job that you really like, a job that you're good at. But one day the boss says, John, we need to make some changes. We're going to have to let you go. We're sorry. And you go home and say, But Lord, what is happening to me? I thought I was where you wanted me to be. I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do. What is going on? Sometimes, God's plan is different than what we were thinking. Amen? Or maybe someone you love is fighting cancer. You were counting on God to come through for your family. Just like He always has. You were counting on that miracle. But one morning, the doctor calls back with the test results that you don't want to hear. And sometimes God's plan is different than what we were thinking. The same thing is true of Israel in Jeremiah 29. See, here's the year it is uh, 586 B.C. God is judging the nation of Judah because of their unfaithfulness. The Babylonians have attacked Jerusalem. They've taken 3,000 prisoners back to Babylon including the king, the court officials, the craftsmen, and the Jews are saying, this isn't supposed to happen to us. We're the chosen people. We're God's people. We're the apple of God's eye. So what is going on? Today we're going to see that God is accomplishing plans in our lives. Even in those plans aren't what we were expecting. And then we will see how we should respond to God's plan for our lives. See here, the Jewish people have a beautiful history of God coming through for them in times of crisis. And, and we've seen it throughout Scripture because we've seen it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord told Mo Moses that I have seen the misery of my people. I am concerned about their suffering at the hands of the Egyptians. So I'm going to bring them out of the land of where? Egypt. And that's exactly what happens in Exodus chapter 14. 
God brings them through the Red Sea. Forty years later, in Joshua chapter 24, the Israelites do what? They inherit the promised land. God's plan was accomplished in the lives of His people. And in 2 Kings 19, the Assyrian army invaded the land of Judah. The people were frightened and they were scared. But the, the commander of the Assyrian army said, No one can deliver you out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Surrender to us now and we will let you live. But right at that moment, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And that very night, an angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 people in the Assyrian camp. Almighty God had come through once again. You see, God's Word was accomplished in the lives of His people. And so when the Babylonians invade the land of Judah in 586 B.C., the captives are thinking, this isn't going to last long. God is going to come through for us like He always does. He's a faithful God. The prophet Hananiah said in Jeremiah 28 that in two years, God will break the yoke of the king of Babylon and we will be free. We're coming back home. Praise God. But you heard me read in Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah starts to write a letter to the captives in Babylon. And basically, here's what he's saying. You're not coming home for a while. Build houses and settle down. Plant guard. That, that was kind of my southern voice coming out. Settle down. I love my southern voice. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Be fruitful and multiply. In other words, you're not ready to go home because I have plans for you right here in Babylon. Like the Jewish people in the story. We too are living in a world that is not our own. Do you hear me, church? We too are living in a world that is not our own. But we're not ready to go home because God has plans for us right here in Babylon. It is not an accident you are where you're, you're working. It is no accident that you are attending the school where you study. God is working out His plan in your life. He wants you to live for Him in this place until He calls us home to the great promised land. And then in verse 7, Jeremiah says here, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What a great truth, isn't it? I mean, what a great promise for us. If it prospers, you too will prosper. And the Jews would have been thinking, You want us to pray for the community that carried us into captivity? Are you kidding me right now? Jeremiah, have you lost your mind? These people are the enemies of God. These are the people who ransacked the city, your city, the holy city of Jerusalem. How can you ask us to pray for these people? Oh no, what's pastor leading up to here? Oh no, I know what he's leading up to here. I'm already feeling it. The key that will set the course for how you will enjoy God's blessings this year will be your attitude. And all God's people said. Amen. You see, the key that will set the course of how you will enjoy God's blessings this year will be your attitude. You have a choice to allow the circumstances and people this past year 
make you bitter. Or like the Apostle Paul, you can choose to focus on this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forth unto the mark which is ahead and become better. How do you expect me to forget, Pastor? God is not saying that you develop some form of spiritual amnesia. The Bible is saying to let go of the past and do not let it hold you back from all God wants to do in and through you. Don't dwell. On the past. Don't grovel in your mistakes. Don't be embittered by your failures. Learn from them. Let them go and move on into the promise that God has for all of us this year. We're champions. We're running the race, right? We're champions. Why is it that we have... See, I believe that we have a difficult time. And our difficult time is... Actually putting our will, our mind, our emotions, our actions and saying, here you go, God. I'm letting go. It's you. I know the plans you have for me. Plans for hope, for a future. I know it. And you said, and your promise is this, because I'm seeking you with my whole heart. I'm seeking you with everything that's in me. And so, God, I'm leaving it there. I'm leaving it there. But you know what's funny? It's like going to the grocery store. Oh, I forgot something down that aisle. I had a point to prove here. So I took back my, my attitude. After I posted... Okay, God, you got it back. That made me feel a little better. No, see, that's part of our problem. We're not literally letting go. See, transformation and maturity in your life as an individual comes when you let go. So why are you holding on? You've been miserable. Your life's been miserable. Let it go and let God grow you, complete you. He created you. He said, I know the very hairs on your head. I formed you in your mother's womb. Listen, I love you. I was showing some people this week. I said, I always find it interesting that on Facebook, when you make a post and the post is positive. Okay? This is just a little advertisement for Facebook world. Fake book world. If it's positive, everybody's so kind and they scroll right past it. Aw, isn't that sweet? Click. They might like it, but they go by. But why is it? Mm hmm. You know what I'm going to say? If it's something that you don't like. Now, I, and I proved this. I mean, I said something this week, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and more importantly right now, the Prince of Peace! Woo! <laughs> 400 people scrolled past it, and 12 liked it. But then I noticed somebody had to give a little bit of their opinion, and 42 people had to tell them their opinion, and 962 people Liked it, frowned it, hated it, did whatever they did to it. Because here's what happened. They lost a sense of letting go and letting God. 
Now, you're going to, you're probably saying, well, I know where I'm at. I've struggled with peace, as you heard me say even last week during last week's message about having peace in our life this year. But you can't keep going over there and become a cotton picker. You cotton picker. You can't go back and keep claiming back what you let God have. You'll never forget those things which are behind and press on. If you're hung up with some habit, if you're hung up with some attitude, let it go. Say this with me, church. Let it go. We have a hard time letting things go. So we dwell on them and we let them control us. Don't dwell on the past. And then down in verse 10, God says something else that would have gotten Jews riled up. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to his place. After so many years, think about this. When we read this verse, we think, wow, that's beautiful. In 70 years? I was thinking more like seven hours. How about seven days? God is going to bring the people back to the promised land? Wow, that's awesome. But the Jews weren't thinking that. Watch what they were thinking. You mean we got to live in this rotten country for the next 70 years? Most of us are going to be dead by then. What kind of plan is that, God? Right? 70 years. I don't have 70 years. And so I would think, well, i got to keep on keeping on. And we all are, are feeling some sort of way because for the first time in all of our earthly life, I don't think we have anybody in here that went through a pandemic before. But through our earthly life, we went through something that has caused a lot of PTSD. It's real. And I would like to tell all of you that in 70 years, God will deliver us from this. You would look at me like, what, Pastor? I mean, think about it. Seventy years. God is specific in telling Israel that they will return in 70 years. Why 70 not 50? After all, we know with the, the number 50, it is the year of Jubilee when Israel is to celebrate the deliverance of the Lord. To put it simply, all God is doing is He's reminding Israel and us that ultimately He is control. He is in control of the what? The times and the seasons. He is in control of where all that is happening. We call this God's sovereignty and His providence in our life. And for many of you that are in this room, I want to tell you something. And I hope this brings peace and contentment in your heart. Our God is in control of the United States of America. So no matter what happens, my God's in control. I have to rest in that peace. And that's all I can do. God is working out His plan and purpose just as we read in Romans 8.28 and we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. God is reminding us there's not a promise He has given that He will not fulfill in His time and in His way. Our job is to simply to what? To trust and obey in His plan. In this new year, God wants you to be reminded that what? He is faithful. God will do what He says He will do. So as you begin to move into this new year of God's promise, remember these three things this morning. Number one, 
go into the new year. Go into the new year with his planning. You see, the first part is most important. For I know the plans I have for you. For I know the plans that I have for you. That is, I alone. Not the false prophets who know nothing of my purposes, thoughts, and they pretend to know. These are the two types of believers. Now, I want you to listen closely as I I correlate the two types of believers that I believe this is aimed at. First of all, there's the planner. But they're not the kind of planner we want to be. Yes, the planner will go into the new year with everything all planned out. They'll have their job plans with their promotion schedule and their commissions worked out. They'll have their family plans with their stock and pensions planned out and worked out. They'll have their educational plans with their classes chosen and semester schedules picked out for all of our college students. But they'll leave something out. They'll leave the most important part of the planning. And does anyone in this building happen to know what the most important part of the planning is? Leaving it to God. Leaving it to God. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean out into your own understandings and all thy ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. It's very important that we understand that we cannot leave God out of anything. This includes any and every area of our lives. Now watch this. Now the other part of that is the other believer. And it is the non-planner. This is the person that will wander and wonder through the entire year. This is the person that will wander and wander through the entire year without seeking God and the plans that He has for them. This is the person who just wings it. No thought, no plan, and no prayer. Their philosophy is whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. Que sera, sera. You guys remember that from Doris Day? I just threw that in there. I will just wait on God, whatever will be. But for this person, to wait means to be lazy. These two people are just alike because they're both out of fellowship with God. They're both relying on the sources other than God to provide for them. Becky and I, we're young and in love, had no money. I decided 27 years ago the church needed a youth pastor and uh, the youth pastor had resigned and left and the church that we were going at needed a youth, youth pastor my wife's over there like, we were young? Yeah, we were young then. And uh, now we're young and alive. <laughs> and, uh, but when I look back on, on my life, I decided that I would, the company that I was working for caught fire and I wanted to become full time to help the church out and to help youth ministry out. And so I decided to, we, we talked about it, we prayed, and we decided to start a janitorial custodial company because it, what it did was it allowed me to free up some time and then I would become a volunteer to the church. But there's some difficulty in starting a business when you're only making 400 some dollars a month. It was very difficult for us. But I said, we're going to go by faith. We're going to make this change right now. And many of you... 
If you've never had grilled cheese and tomato soup every night, it was the most glorious, delicatessen, man. Shrimp cocktail, filet mignon, mashed potatoes. I mean, has nothing on grilled cheese and tomato soup. But I remember when we were young and I walked in the house and I said, Beck, we just don't have money to pay our bills. I don't, I don't know what to do. Now, this, hasn't, this has happened quite a bit throughout our life, but... You know, God always provides. But this was right in the beginning. And so we would take those bills and we'd go lay them all over the bed. And I remember kneeling and then putting my hands on them and praying over those bills and asking God to provide. Yeah, back then, it's so bizarre now because now we live in the city of Talmadge and water is out astronomical. Water and sewage, I think every quarter is like $200. Back then, I was worried about my little water bill of $42. But see, when you don't have much money... And you feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And I knew God called me to be a youth pastor. I knew that he would provide. And it was right to the money. We'd get a phone call and then another phone call. And, you know, uh, you've heard me tell the story. Some of my loved ones, they would ask me to clean carpets. Or we'd pick up a job and we knew that our house payment was $475. Hard to imagine that, isn't that? And then, um, you know, some of our, our utilities were up there. But it, it was amazing to me to see that. That God's plans for me was to continue to prosper. And who would have ever thought that I'm standing on this platform 16 years from the conception of a church because he had a plan for me. See, it all started back when I knelt down and I prayed on that bed. And I gave everything that we had. We had nothing. See, God sometimes brings us to the end of ourself so he can start rebuilding us. Because... See, we've already interfered with his plans. We've already interfered with his timeline. God called you to be a godly man. God called you to be a godly woman. God brought you together. Work through that together. Don't give up. But when you put your pride in the way, then it's no longer about us seeking him and finding him. I needed him that day when we were praying and asking God to provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory. See, those are real stories, real happenings. Becky and I have, we've encountered that. Even with the church, where I would have the treasurers come in from Leslie to George, and we'd scratch our head and say, we only have $5. What are we going to do? One time, Patty was the secretary. She's like, um, I paid all the bills, but Pastor, we have I said, eh, don't worry about it. God's in control. He started this ministry. See, when we live a life where it's pleasing to Him, then we let go of our own expectations. Our own ego. You know, what are people going to think? Oh, what are people going to think if the church doors close? I used to say this all the time. Well, if we make it six months, I surrendered. If we made it a year, I surrendered. If we made it three years... I surrendered. I would much rather see us surrender to God's plan for our life and see soul saves and lives changed in this amount of time than to step in and not do anything in His timeline and we see nothing happen at all. You have to let go. You have to surrender. You have to let God take full control of your life. It's very important to do just that. This coming year is the same as any other year. 
for all you mathematicians. It has 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,600 minutes, 31,536,000 seconds. Now, just how do we spend all that time? All in one breath. Three and a half months we we will spend sleeping. Seven hours a night. Sixteen days will be spent eating. Nine days will be spent in church. Fifty to eighty days will be spent working. Seventy-five for average eight-hour days with normal holidays, I must add. Five to ten days will be spent traveling to work, to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to the store, and etc. Nine to fifteen days will be spent in... I was already there, in the bathroom. Unless, well, no, unless you have a sick spell, like your pastor. Then it could be longer or shorter, depending on the sickness. With all that moving, working, eating, sleeping, etc. I just had to throw that in there. The average person still has at least 100 days that they are unaccounted for. Listen, I know I went through that quick because I think it's important. And those days, those 100 days that are accounted, unaccounted for, and that could be used by God to improve them, if you'll let God do that. So with planning, you have three choices. We can make our best plans and try to carry them out in our own strength. We can make careful plans and ask God to bless them. Or we could begin with God. Ask Him about His plans and offer ourselves to carry, offer ourselves to Him and to carry out His purposes in our lives. A broadcaster put it this way. There are two different types of people. Those that say, thy will be done. And those whom God says to, okay, have it your way. What will you decide to do? Number two, go into this new year with purpose. Go into this new year with purpose. An active relationship with God is what makes life complete. It is what gives meaning to life. It is what gives us our purpose in life. Without that relationship with God and the assurance and hope that we will one day spend the rest of eternity in heaven with Him, there's a void, a vacuum in life, a hole in our hearts. You guys remember when when, uh, Rick Warren put out that book, The Purpose Driven Life? How many of you read that in in this room? I know it was really popular back uh, in the 90s. Here's what he said, and I loved how, how he worded this. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own purpose, personal fulfillment, or your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You see, church, you're not an accident. Even before the universe was created... God had you in mind. And He planned you for His purposes. And these purposes will far extend, far beyond the few years you will spend on earth. You were made to last forever. Self-help books often suggest that you try to discover the meaning and purpose of your life by looking with what? Within yourself. But that is the wrong place to start. You must begin with God, your Creator, and His reasons for creating you. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never, ever make sense. You see, without God, there is no purpose in life. 
We're simply inventing ways and devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. And don't confuse God's purpose for your life with the investing, with investing all your time in busyness. Yes, many people confuse the business of God with the busyness of their agenda, both in their lives and in the church. And here's my last point, and then we'll, we'll finish today. Go into the new year with His provisions. Go into the new year with His provisions. These verses tell us that God has already many plans. For I know the plans that I have for you. That's planning that has already taken place. That's planning that has already been done. You don't have to, in any sense of stress invoking, searching to find out what God's plans are for your day, maybe your week, your month, or your year, or maybe even your life. All of those are short and long-range goals that involve action plans to accomplish. Go to God. Go to God. Ask Him for the plans that He has for your life and the provisions or the help that goes along with performing those plans. And again, we say, we begin with God, ask Him about His plans and offer ourselves to Him to carry out His purposes. You see, God is not going to purposefully make a plan for your life that will intentionally fail. He won't do that. However, the plans that He has for your life can fail. And any failure that has occurred on any plan of God that you were following is because you were at fault, not God. You know, I I was sitting last night in my recliner and as I was was thinking about this, I... This is me. I got up and I went into my prayer closet last night and I bowed my head and... My head was bowed and I was praying. I said... God, I just want to thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you'll plan uh, to, to bless the church tomorrow, that we'll fill your spirit and anointing. Lord, that we'll learn from your word. And I, and I, and I, and I was, and I, and, and I, and, and then I just stopped in the middle of my prayer. And a sense of conviction came over me. And I said, God, I don't know what your plans are for tomorrow. But your will be done. And I got up this morning and I went back to my prayer closet and I said, God, no matter what your plans are, no matter what happens, it's all about you. You know, we have a tendency to to go to God and say, God, I need you to do this. I need your presence here. He already had a plan for today. He knew you were going to be here. You already thought it in your mind. You already set your alarm. Some of you set out some of your clothes. Some of you made preparation to be here this morning. You know why? Because God has a message for you. And as He taught the disciples, not my will, but thine be done. We have to realize that His plans and His agenda are very important. See, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, to give you all those things. You and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? A hope and a future. The key to finding God's plan for our lives, His purpose for our lives, and receiving His provision for our lives is all found in the last verse. Verse 13, and this is the finale to today's message. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me. 
You will find Me when you seek Me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your will. When you come to Me, you will find Me. In other words, if you want 2021 to be a success, then it must begin by moving from your will to God's will. And if you and I want the new year to be a success, let's drop our agenda and join His agenda. We all have things we want to do and see accomplished, but success begins when we place our plans at the foot of the cross and take up God's plan and agenda. You see, the Apostle Paul, he put it bluntly yet brilliantly in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, brothers, sisters, friends, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is that good and perfect will, and acceptable will of God. I like that. Drop our agenda, join His agenda, get off our path, get on His path. Get off our path, get on his path. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, passed the sage words on to his son and that I believe that are very essential for this morning. And I already said him, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understandings. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Understand his plans. And release our ambitions, release our ambitions, embrace His ambitions. Release our ambitions and embrace His ambitions. King David's last words to his son Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28, 9 says, and and David charged this to his son and he said, You Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve Him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. He's already searched your heart out today. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. So as I close, listen church, don't let the bright lights and successes you will enjoy turn your attention away from what is truly important. So what is truly important? Your relationship with Father God. And most of all, when things get difficult, don't quit. When things get difficult, don't quit. Work on your marriages. Work on your relationships. When you have to move, know that God's plans are already worked out. He knows where you're moving to. And I have faith and trust in that. Because He said, and I know all things will work together for your good. No matter what your health is, God knows that. No matter how you've been struggling financially, say, Lord, these these bills, I made some mistakes. But Lord, I've kind of stepped outside of Your will. And well, I know You have some plans for me, but in my plans, they just didn't seem to work out. And so today, I surrender them to You. Put aside Your pride. Put aside your anger. Maybe you've been, you've been angry. Maybe you've been bottling up some resentment that you've had in your life towards some loved ones. Can you just let it go? I'm not asking you to go sup with them and have a barbecue. 
I'm saying just let it go. You need to be free. Know that God has a plan for your life. But Satan came in and he tried to rob you of your joy. He tried to rob you of that relationship. He tried to rob you of that money. See, my God can supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. You see, He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has streets of gold and gates of pearl. And He lives in a place that is prettier and more beautiful than the United States of America or even Hawaii or Kauai. He created some of you for each other. See, I can't have church without you. Because you see, in this timeline, His plans were for you to be here. His plans are for you to be a part of our church family. I need you. We need each other. To encourage one another. and Just look at you and say, I love you. No, not like what Pastor Luke says. You look great today, you good looking hunk of burning love. That's not what that's not what he said earlier. It's about what is God's timeline. I love what Chuck Swindoll, Swindoll said. And I'm going to conclude with this story, and then we're going to have the altar call, but it's called Don't Quit. And maybe some of you know about this, but but I love this, and I might not pronunciate the word correctly, but I love this this narrative and this story. And it's about Ignacy John Paderewski, the famous composer pianist, was scheduled to perform at a great concert hall in America. And this was an evening to remember. Black tuxedos, long evening dresses, beautiful, a high society extravaganza. The present in the audience that evening was a mother with her fidgety nine year old son, weary and waiting. He squirmed constantly in his seat. His mother was in hopes that her son would be encouraged to practice the piano. And if he could just hear the awesome musician, Paderewski, at the keyboard. So against his wishes, he had come. Mom, why do I need to be there? I'm not interested. So she turned to talk with some friends. Her son could stay seated no longer. So he slipped away from her side, strangely drawn to the ebony concert Grand Steinway and its leather-tufted stool on the huge stage flooded with blinding lights. And without much notice from the sophisticated audience, the boy sat down at the stool, staring wide-eyed at the black and white keys. He placed his small, trembling fingers in the right location and began to play chopsticks. The roar of the crowd was hushed as hundreds frowning faces pointed in his direction. Irritated and embarrassed, they began to shout, Get that boy away from there! Who bring a kid that young here? Who is his mother anyways? Would somebody please just stop him? Backstage, the master overheard the sounds out front and quickly put together in his mind what was happening. Hurriedly, he grabbed his coat, rushed toward that stage. Without one word of announcement that he stooped over and behind that little boy. He reached around both sides and began to improvise a counter melody to harmonize with and enhance chopsticks. As the two of them played together, Paderewski kept whispering in the boy's ear, Keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on playing. 
don't stop. Don't quit. And that's exactly how God would respond. You see, we hammer away on the project which seems about as significant as chopsticks in a concert hall. And it's about the time that we're ready to give up. Along comes the master who leans over and he whispers, keep going on. Don't quit. Keep on playing. Don't stop. Don't quit. As he improvises on our behalf, providing just the right touch at just the right moment. And when finally, when we simply try, we'll stand in the balcony and he will applaud louder than anybody else. And if you've come to church this morning ready to quit, ready to take matters into your own hands, when was the last time that you said, God, I need you. God, we need you. God, I'm not going to quit. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I, 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 I. To the point we're so frustrated and we're angry. Now we have forgotten who God is because we can't even hear His voice because everything is so, so skewed. Because all we've thought about was ourself instead of our Savior. So church, kneel at the foot of the cross. And understand that what you're going through was not even a part of His plans for you. Maybe you created them yourself. But don't quit. For He says in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, For I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That is His promises for us. So church, as we rise to our feet, and as the praise team comes, let's stand together. Will you just let go and let God? In some churches, the Holy Spirit has spoken and we never let God do His work. We're here at New Hope. We're going to let God do His work and I need you to come and pray. And if you have closed out the noise and the sound of life, if you don't bow your knee to God and understand that He has a greater will and plan for your life, then 2021 may not be as bright and as clear as you once thought it was going to be. But you have to surrender. You have to let go, let God, and let Him take full control. When you what? Seek Him with your whole heart. When you seek Him, not part, but with your whole heart, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Make a commitment this year to be more faithful to Him than you've ever been. And if you start surrendering to God, He will change your marriage. He will change your life. He will change your finances. He will change you because my God's promises are true and He's faithful to the end. And I want you to believe that too. And great things are coming for you. Do you receive it this morning? Let's pray. Father. We just thank You for Your Word. God, we ask that this morning that as we draw nigh to You, that You will draw nigh to us. 
So, Father, we come to you seeking you with our whole heart. On behalf of our will, on behalf of our sin, on behalf of our pride, on behalf of the hurt, the hang-up, and the habits that, that many of us have already started to give way to, Lord, we ask that you'll remove it. Restore with us a clean heart. Let us be like you in all thy ways. So, Father, I'm seeking you today. God, we have people in this church that need you so bad. It's my emotions and the burdens I can't even carry are so heavy. So, God, I ask that right in the moment where we're at right now, that you will speak to them. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, can you just slip up your hands so I can pray for you this week? If you feel that God is... Amen, 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 amen. All around the room, amen, you can put your hands down. I I promise I'm going to pray for you. I know where you're sitting and I will pray over you that God will will work all things out according to your riches and glory. So God, do your work. We trust you. We obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.